Good morning. How are you doing? Good? Good? Let's go around the room. We'll all share how we're doing. Great. Hey, I'm Trevor Oaks. I'm the student and teaching pastor here. And today is a special sermon. Only you who show up this morning will get to hear this truth this morning. And everyone else who listens to our podcast online will have an opportunity to hear it uh, as well. Which is a good thing to, to let you know that if you ever miss a sermon, uh, we do things in series, which means it's a collection of, of sermons that we're trying to push you towards a, an applicational point or a spiritual maturity. If you ever miss one, you can go online, yourcalvary.info, and you can uh, catch up on those sermons. Um, also, we, we put out uh, questions that you can find there online as well. And before we begin, I just thought I would get you pumped up about our movie at the park night. It's uh, in addition to our party at the park. So we do that uh, every year in August. This is going to be June 23rd. Movie at the park is going to be another opportunity for us to love our community and, and show them uh, that we, we love them. And so here's the deal. It's going to take a few people to help put that on, about 75 uh, people serving to, to put that event on. And so out in our lobby, uh, if you saw coming in, we have opportunities for you to sign up. And people who sign up first get the better jobs. So there you go. Uh, but even if you don't serve, we'd love for you to come out on that night. Uh, six to nine is going to be some carnival games followed by uh, the movie Stork. And so that will be just a fun night. Now back to our show. Uh, so there we go. You know, different religions and customs celebrate things with rituals and, and practices that are honestly a bit strange. Uh, all over, they do these things that, that because they believe in it or, or it's honorable and special uh, to them. Like in Greece, a guest at a wedding can get away with spitting on the bride. I just think that's interesting. Now, I don't think they hawk loogies on the bride. That would be awful. Uh, but they, they say a word that they believe helps ward off evil spirits. And they say it with such force that spit comes from the, the mouth onto the bride. And so uh, that's, that's funny. It's weird, but, but funny. In, in Buenos, Spain, uh, about 50 tons of tomatoes are brought in. And 59,000 people come to this community on a certain day to have like the world's largest tomato fight. And uh, they say it's for a religious uh, festival, but some just say it's just a, a really fun, good time. In a festival that I can't say in India, uh, they gather together and, and they get all these venomous snakes from all over India. And they dance with those snakes on their way to the temple. They put them in baskets on their head. And some of the most venomous snakes in, in all of India, they take and they put this tamarack on them and then they release them in the temple. That's, that's right. They release the snakes in the temple. And here's what's unbelievable to me. Snake bites are nearly unheard of in the midst of that. That's, that's crazy. And maybe you didn't know this, but baptism has been happening for a long time. Dipping somebody underwater to celebrate or to honor somebody was happening long before Jesus came along. But what Jesus would do was he would take something and he would attach meaning to it. He would take something very common. You could talk about farming, you could talk about weddings. He would take something common and he would attach new meaning to it. So you take something like uh, bread and wine, something that's been around for, for ages, and Jesus would attach this symbolism in, in a new meaning and communion. So on his last supper, Jesus said, uh, take this bread 
And it will remind you that my body was broken for you. Take this cup and it will remind you that my blood was poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And now we do this very common practice that we call communion or the Lord's Supper. But Jesus would do that with lots of things. And so baptism was no different. But today we're going to be talking about something that people outside the church might think, well, that's, that's just weird. Why do you dip people underwater? And while the main portion of our sermon today will will be obviously targeted towards people who are are not followers of Jesus, that would be the hope and intent. Here's the deal. We have as a value statement at Calvary, followers should share what they know. And oftentimes what we'll hear is, I I don't know what to share. I don't know what's valuable. I don't know how how to to communicate to somebody. I just tell them, "Come, come to church. Well, today will be a great snapshot for you. Five steps to sharing the gospel message. So you can take screenshots or along the way, or I'll give you a little tip. At the very end, all five of those uh, steps will be on one slide. So you can wait till the end and get all five in one picture. But today we want to discuss, why do we dip people completely underwater? Is that even necessary? Why do we ask people to do this before we allow them to partner with us, or or some churches call that membership? Why would I do that if I've been sprinkled or a part of another faith? How does any or all this pertain to me? And I think those are great questions. I'm glad you guys have asked those. Those are good, because that's what we're, we're talking about. So baptism is an integral part of your relationship with God through Jesus. And while baptism is an important and significant part of our decision to receive God's gift of grace and become a follower of Jesus, each of us has come to that decision differently because each of us have had our our, our own journey. Now, at at Calvary, you can see multiple nationalities that that come in here, and so there's obviously been a a different upbringing there. And and you yourself, each one of us, has sort of come to hearing this, this truth in a different way. We call that journey your story. Or or maybe you've heard it called a a testimony. It's where you have finally heard the truth uh, and you want to become a follower of Jesus. And so if you grew up in a different uh, faith or, or belief system and are coming to a current understanding of who Jesus is and what he means in your life, how that shows up in a decision for you, that's your story. That's your, your testimony. That's your journey. And sometimes you have possibly heard uh, that story, and and, uh, in that moment you understood that Jesus is who he claims to be. He's the Messiah. And he is capable of doing everything he's uh, promised to do. He's capable of, uh, of securing and satisfying our debt. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. And so step one, here, here we go. Step one is this, you, you hear the gospel. And the gospel literally means good news. And so if there's good news, there has to be bad news. And the bad news always begins with the reality of who God is. God is the creator of, of everything. And he's holy, which means that he, he's set apart. And God is perfect, or he, he's whole. He's without defect or blemish. He's perfect. He's righteous, which means God always does the right thing. He's just, which means his justice is, is fair. And so I would define God. I would define God as my ultimate authority. When he gives a directive, I listen and I try to align my life with what God says is right, true, and best. And so because God is the creator, he's holy, he's righteous, he's perfect and just, we have a problem. 
we are none of those things. We are none of those things. I am a long way off from perfect. I'm a long way off. Now, Daniel's closer. Uh, Daniel is one of those people who appreciate following the rules and and guidelines. He likes to hold himself uh, to that. But he's not perfect either. Uh, He's not holy. So uh, neither is the the mentor you grew up listening to or or anyone else in in this room. And so I'm not Pastor Danny, which he hates to be called that, by the way. But he's not here. And so there we go. So the next time you see him, if you'll just call him Pastor Danny, I think that would be awesome. I think that would be great. Uh, But we're not holy. We're not more righteous. We're not more set apart. We are are like you. Um, We are in need of a, a Savior. No one is. And here's the deal. You cannot just hear God's word and just, I'm going to just be obedient. I'm just going to follow that. Uh, meaning that the law was set up to guide us towards what God says is right, true, and best, but the law does not make you right. And so obeying God cannot make us right. Romans 3.11 and and 3.20 tell us this, that there is no one who who does right, no one who seeks God. All of us are, are filled with evil. All of us fall short and fail due to sin, and the punishment for sin is death. So there it is. That's the bad news. And some would say that's horrible news. That is awful news. But here's the good news. Here's the gospel. Romans 3.21 says this, But now a righteousness from God, apart from law, has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. So both the law says that this is the best way to live. This is what will lead you towards God and the prophets. The people who came before Jesus said, listen, there's going to be a person who's going to come. Those both agree together. This righteousness from God comes through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe there is no difference, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. He did this to demonstrate his justice because in his forbearance, in his knowledge that we would be far away from uh, righteousness, he would have to atone for that. So in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did this to demonstrate his justice. So at the present time, so as to be just in the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. So we want to discuss your journey, your story. And it has to deal with the moment that you realized, I am a sinner. I am separated from God. My sin has separated me from God, and the punishment for that is death. So, so what is sin? Well, the biblical definition of sin is actually an archery term. It means to miss the mark. We've all sinned. We've all missed the mark. So, so God put something out there. He said, this is where I want you to aim your life. We missed. We missed. Uh, but The punishment for that is separation, it's death, and so someone has to pay for that mistake. Someone has to satisfy that debt. When a wrong has been committed, we know this, justice needs to be served. And the good news is that Jesus, the one who never sinned, he never missed the mark, took our place and paid for our mistake. Jesus took on all sin on the cross. So step number two would be this, to believe. 
At some point after hearing the gospel, after hearing the good news, you, ha- you have to deal with that. In whatever way you come to a decision, you, you can decide. And, and so the next step would be to believe all that stuff is true, that God is holy, that you're separated from him, and that you can only be reconciled, reconnected back to God through Jesus. And that belief is so strong that you are cut to the heart. It means this, you have an utter realization that the only way back to God is through Jesus. And that's what happened to uh, the first people, the first church, when they heard the good news. Here's how they felt. Acts 2.37 says, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do next? Uh, this is bad news, but that's good news. So what's, what's next? And uh, John 6 says that that, that part where you get this pricking of the heart comes from from God. It says this, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up at the last day. John 14 6 says, I am the way, the truth, and the life and no one comes to the father except through me. So looking back over this, we hear the gospel. We hear this good news. Then we believe what we've heard and the next step would be we repent. So step number three it means to repent, literally means to turn away. So, so we must turn away from sin, turn our, our backs on sin, putting uh, the old life, the old customs, the old traditions uh, in the past. And what naturally happens means that we turn towards God, towards what he hopes for us, towards obedience to him. We do a complete about face. And as Jesus was spreading this good news, he said this, Mark 1:15, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. And there might be some things in your past, a history of things that you used to do on a regular basis that you had no idea were pulling you further and further from the creator's intent for your life. But now you're discovering that this news wasn't the the best way to live and there's actually a better way. And so coming into that understanding means we need to turn our back towards what was old. Uh, some of you uh, grew up in a different faith, and so you practice customs, you said things, you sang things that you just, well, now you understand what all that means. You've been given some information, and so now you want to turn from how you used to operate and rethink all things. Maybe some of you would say, I, I used to take more money than I should from business deals. I used to flirt with others at work. I, I haven't ever told the truth. I didn't even know that watching those videos was not a good idea. And so you're going to need to rethink how you operate at work, in your free time, in the life that you live, to turn your back on old patterns, old habits, old customs, and turn towards obedience to God. The next logical step of repenting from the old way, from our old sinful life, is to share that change in your heart, to, to confess uh, what, what you have now heard and discovered. We want to confess, which actually, it just simply means this, to say it out loud. I'm just going to say it out loud, what is true. I want to publicly recognize that I believe God can satisfy my debt, that God is holy and perfect, and you're not. And you want to confess that, that that means for you and speak your belief that God can reconnect us back to him through Jesus Because Jesus has taken your sin to the cross and you want to repent, turn away from your sin, turn away from the past, sinful uh, desires, and turn towards God. Romans 10, 9, Paul says it best this way, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, 
And so that's what we say. Whenever anybody comes down into these waters, we get them before you. We say, what would you like to confess this morning? And they say, Jesus is Lord. And that's from this verse right here, that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. For it's with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it's with your mouth that you confess and are saved. And so this journey to being a follower of Jesus begins with hearing the good news, hearing the gospel, then believing it, then turning from your old past. You repent and followed by a confession to others, which leads to baptism. And some of you are thinking, I thought this was a sermon on baptism, which it, so here we are, we have arrived. And uh, some of you made that decision to find and follow Jesus a long time ago, a long, long time ago. And, and for some of you, you're hearing this for the very first time. It's kind of all new information. You're, you're coming to the same page as a lot of the rest of us. And you're thinking, you know, I, I realized that all these things in my past weren't leading towards anything good. And now this news makes sense. And I want to turn away from my past. And I want to follow what God says is right, true, and best. And so that's our, our hope this morning. Now, some of you have been raised in the church. Your whole life, you knew that Jesus was the way to life. And, and that's my story. That's my story. From an early age, I decided to follow Jesus. And I've had to overcome mountains of guilt for what I learned in, in church a little bit and, and unhear some things that I heard that, uh, that my righteousness or the way I present myself to people it isn't what ultimately matters. And I had to discover this truth, that God doesn't hate me. God doesn't hate me for my sin, but he actually loves me so much that he sent his one and only son to satisfy my debt. And discovering that is good news. Because I did that sin, but he, he loves me and wants a relationship with me, the, the next step, obviously, is baptism. And so the obvious question for baptism is, why? Why would I dunk myself underwater? And, and the first answer is simple. Jesus was baptized. Uh, he modeled it for us. We're simply following after him. And one of the first stories that we hear of Jesus as an adult is that he goes to John the Baptist and he asks to be baptized. That's found in Matthew 3, 1 through 16. But the, uh, Jesus didn't just model it for us. He didn't just set the example. He tells us to do it. Uh, this is found in what some people call the Great Commission. Matthew 28, 19 says, go and make disciples. And that word disciple, we would insert follower, all right? This is where we got our mission statement for all that we do. Followers making followers of Jesus comes right here from Matthew 28, 19. Go and make followers of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So if you've ever seen me baptize somebody in here, that is what I say. They confess, Jesus is Lord, and I say, I will now baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and we dunk them underwater. And so another good reason to be baptized is this. It's just a great picture, a great visual image of, of our outward decision of what's going on inwardly in our, our heart. When you're baptized, you're lowered into the water, and that term is called immersion, we want to immerse, uh, submerge uh, the person into water. And so when you are immersed, you uh, get this sort of visual image of what Jesus did for us on, on the cross. So there's an actual purpose and practice to the whole reason that we baptize people. It's a beautiful image of, of Jesus' death, lowering into the water. 
His burial covered completely by water and his resurrection raised up uh, out of the water. And so likewise, baptism is a great picture of our death to old self. I want to die to all this old stuff. I want to die to my sinful past and I want to be raised to a new life, new hope, new direction. So we bury all the old and we become a follower of Jesus. So like we've talked about, if you have some old habits, patterns, customs, and routines in your past, this is a great picture of how that can be cleansed, washed, purified towards something new. It's just a great picture. So Romans 6.3 says this, Don't you know that all of us were baptized into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And so maybe you're asking yourself, well, why should I get baptized if I was sprinkled as a baby? Uh, Again, that is a great question. So here is a, a couple things about sprinkling, all right? First, let me say this. This is really important for you to hear, okay? I have no desire in any way to demean anyone for sprinkling their babies. And here's why. I think the intentions behind the practice is honorable. I think the desire for a parent or a grandparent to to sort of consecrate their baby, to set them apart, or what we would say is dedicate or, or make a promise to raise and point their child to Jesus throughout their life is important. It's valuable. Here's the deal. Here's why sprinkling, I don't think, uh, is necessary. Because belief, all throughout the Bible, belief is a prerequisite for faith. And, And how can a baby believe? Secondly, sprinkling isn't found anywhere in the Bible. It's just nowhere to be found. It's an honorable thing to do. It's great. And much like we do here, we, we dedicate uh, babies, uh, but we don't sprinkle during that ceremony. We, we simply are focusing on the parenting model, that parents want to guide and direct their kids towards uh, Jesus's values, to, to point them towards the best way to live. And here's the deal. They have to work out their stuff with God. And that's known as their story their journey to finding and following Jesus. So the truth is, at some point, when the time comes and you realize who God is and how you haven't lived up to his standards, you have fallen short and missed the mark, and God has reconnected us back to him through Jesus, when, when we discover that, we need to make a decision for ourselves. We can't rely on what our parents or grandparents may have done for us as babies. We need to decide for ourselves and then act on it. All throughout the Bible, a sense of urgency is found whenever people discover this good news. In Acts chapter 8, uh, this Ethiopian eunuch is going down the road. He's reading a passage of scripture he doesn't understand, and somebody comes along and says, Would you like me to tell you the good news? And when he does, he discovers this. Here's some water. What would prevent me from being baptized? There was this sense of urgency. And then the first followers of Jesus heard this good news, and then this is how they acted. Acts 2, 37. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart, like we said earlier. They said to Peter, what's the next step? What's, What's next? What shall we do? And Peter said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So one last thing that we need to be careful of when when making baptism something that it's not. And here it is. You need to remind yourself that baptism is not a work by which you can earn salvation. 
It's nothing that you can do. It's simply a gift, a public outward act that shows the change that's happened inwardly in your heart. Here's the deal. Water, ceremonies, celebrations can't do anything to save you. The only way that we can be saved is through Jesus Christ. It's through him that we receive salvation. So right now, conversations are going on in your head all across this room. Some of you are making arguments. Some of you are agreeing with what I've had to say. Some of you are trying to defend your position. And here's what some of the questions in your head go like, well, my mom would be so mad. I'm pretty sure that I'm going to get into heaven anyway. And so, well, I, you know, baptism isn't necessary. And so I'll just do that later. And, and you're mounting an attack that I just don't feel like is necessary. 1 Peter 3 says something that I've always held on to. 1 Peter 3.19 says this, God waited patiently while Noah was building his boat. Patiently. He asked Noah, he said, Noah, here's what I want you to do. I want you to build this large boat. And Noah, just through faith, he believes that God is who he says he is and will do everything he promised to do, just builds this large boat. And only eight people were saved from drowning in that terrible flood. And that water is a picture of baptism, which now saves you. Not by removing dirt from the body. Again, the water does nothing other than give us a a picture of God. Uh, But it is a clean conscience that's important. A clean conscience is effective because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So here's the deal. You don't have to please me. You don't have to please your parents. You don't have to please a church. This whole thing is between you and God. It's your decision. And he calls us to obedience in all things. And some customs and practices are weird. They're just weird. But as long as your conscience is clear, as long as your heart is in tune with what God is hoping for you and asking for you, then just like Noah, through faith, believing that God will do his part, he saves us. He saves us. So let's recap the journey to the good news. And again, this is that inside tip, but here comes all five steps will be on the screen. So we hear the gospel. We hear this good news. We realize and grapple with that decision that we've done something that separates us from God. We have missed the mark, but we believe in the good news. We believe it deep in our heart, and because of that, we want to turn away from our old habits, our old patterns of doing things. We want to repent and turn towards God's best intentions for us. We confess that decision of what's going on in our heart out loud before others so that they can know and understand that we believe Jesus is Lord. And then we're baptized. And that's your journey. And it's not over. (laughs) Here's the deal. It continues on and will continue on and on uh, because this is all about becoming more like Jesus. As we begin this new life as a follower of Jesus, we have this gift of the Holy Spirit. It literally lives inside of us, guiding us and prompting us to grow and become more and more like him, more like Jesus. And we do this by following Jesus, his words that are found in the Bible. Throughout the Bible, it gives us a picture of how God hopes that we'll live and act. And Daniel discussed this last week when he gave our followers statement. It's a collection of statements that we believe are are best suited for when you do these things, you're becoming more like Christ. And the first one is this, followers follow Jesus. Whatever that means, don't follow me. I'll lead you off a cliff. Simply follow Jesus. He has the best way to live. And here's here's how that shows up. Serve God and others. Give sacrificially, give generously, 
and followers share what they know. And here's a statement that I tag on to the end of that. Followers share what they know to be true about Jesus. And doing the things that Jesus did, we love others. We love the least of these. We think that shows up best in service. So you can serve in this place. We have numerous jobs for you to do. You can serve around the country, around the other side of the globe. You can serve in your community. And here's the thing. We have several jobs that you can do that you don't even have to believe anything that I just said in order to fulfill those roles of service. You can sort of take baby steps until you come to your own decision with that. But there are some jobs, some serving opportunities that do, uh, do require a confession, a belief to partner with us, to become a member here, to join us. It does require that an action step of faith called baptism and obedience to be able to fulfill some of our service roles. So Romans 6, 5, it says this, if we have been united with him like this in his death, if we have all come together and said that Jesus is Lord, then we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Now if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. The death he died, he died to sin once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourself dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal bodies so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer the parts of your body as instruments of righteousness. For sin shall not be your master because you are not under the law, but under grace. There is a small thought in some of your minds and it goes like this. I don't know if I died to sin. I don't know if I, I died to sin. I was baptized when I was younger and, and maybe I need to do that again. And, and here's the honest truth. You you don't. If you had a confession and a belief, and you're trying to follow him, then, then your baptism is, bas, baptism is good once and for all. You don't have to get baptized every time you fall short of God's glory. We simply repent. We turn from our old life, and we, we turn towards God's best intentions for us. But now I'll say this with trepidation, with timidity a, a little bit. If your conscience is not clear, and that's between you and God. That's between you and God. You, you don't have to be dunked in, in, again and again. But if it isn't clear, we would be happy to baptize you to help celebrate your decision that I want to follow Jesus. So here is the last step. All right, this is it. This isn't biblical. It's just what we do uh, here at Calvary. So if you go to yourcalvary.info, you go to the next steps tab, and you click on baptism. Uh, there's going to be a form that you can fill out there. You can search baptism in the search field. But here's what we want you to do. We want you to fill that form out so that you can say, I want to go public with my faith. And we want to celebrate with you. We want to pray with you. And so on June 17th, Father's Day, we're going to have a, a celebration time where multiple people are going to go public with their faith. They're going to confess Jesus is Lord with their mouth. And we're going to trust that they believe that in their heart. We'll be giving a picture of Jesus' sacrifice. It's going to be in tandem with our, our day of communion, 
So we'll have an opportunity to all join together and say that we believe that Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection is good for me. And if you've made that decision today, that's awesome. That's awesome. We would love for you to celebrate that June 17th with us. So can we pray right now? Because here's the deal. I think God is doing something in the hearts of people in in this room. I believe that. Which means I know that Satan is trying all the harder to put a seed of doubt, a seed of deception, a seed in your mind. Hey, you don't have to do that. You don't have to follow that. You're, You're good. But I think God wants to show you that your decision to find truth and receive his grace is very, very valuable. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, you are an awesome God. Today I stand before you realizing that my story to find you, to follow you, to receive the gift of your salvation is what has brought the joy to my heart. My hope is to share what I know to be true about you with others and watch as they find your grace, your mercy, your hope, your love, that you are a good God who wants good for his people. And so, Lord, we love you. We thank you for your son, and it's in his name we pray. Amen.